pressures of this anxiety and depression can affect the way you train. So if you can't train like you normally can to be able to perform at your best, that's going to affect a lot of things. That's going to affect- What's up, everybody? I am Shantae. I go by Shantae the Black Therapist. What's up, everybody? I'm B. Floyd, and we are Heal You. Husband and wife, life and relationship coaches, and we just want to come and share some of our knowledge, some of our own experience with you, not only to help you heal yourself, but also to help heal your relationships and heal the community. Right. We just want to give you a different perspective on what it's like being in a committed and foundation relationship. What's up, everybody? We're going to approach our first segment, which is relationship goals. What is the foundation of a strong relationship? Over the next three episodes, we will break down the three pillars of a healthy relationship, which are trust, commitment, and communication. We're going to first start with trust. Yes, trust, because that's a big one, right? What is trust? That is the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength or truth of someone or something. Now that's a lot. What does that even mean? Right? Let's break that down even a little bit, right? To be able to rely on someone's character, that means you have to know that person, who they are, what they right. are about, right? You have to not only hear their words, but see their actions and be able to trust that they are going to do what they say that they are going to do. Right. And I know, uh, fellas, it's real difficult for us to trust, especially entering into a relationship. Uh, for instance, like coming from a previous relationship, I had to entrust Shantae that her ability and her strengths to be able to build me up and not further hurt me. I had to entrust that with her. So we have to really dig in deep and think for ourselves and see what can this other person do for me and how can I trust them and how can I build this trust? Some of the things we can do to build trust is be vulnerable with each other. I know it's difficult, fellas, to be vulnerable, but sometimes that is the first stepping stone to, you know, getting trust into your relationships. Yeah, being vulnerable, you know, and ensuring that we are opening ourselves up, opening our heart up, showing the other person, right, who you are, what you need what you're about, those inner things that we don't just tell just any and everybody, you know? We do have to let walls down, um, go deeper inside of ourselves because even in relationships, it's just not always about the other person. You know, we also have to ask ourselves, do I trust me, right? What is my character? What are my characteristics? Do I know myself and can I show this person what I need and what I want, you know, in this relationship? What are my expectations, right? And do I have strength inside of me, right? We always want our partners to be strong, right? And be strong for us, but are we strong for ourselves? You know, are we able to, to get through the hard times and not just run away or retreat? Right. Just to piggyback on what my wife said, we have to be able to think about, do I trust myself once my mate give me her feelings? Once she gives me, hand over her insecurities to me, do I trust myself to be able to handle that without dropping the ball? That is something we have to reflect on and something we have to build within ourselves. 
So it's it's a it's an ongoing process. Trust is a a key issue in a relationship, and that's something that we have to further build on. And something we can do uh, also to build trust is to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. Have to give the benefit of doubt that this person will not hurt you or run over your feelings and lead you astray to something that you do not want to be involved in. Yeah, but we can't give everybody the benefit of the doubt, right? Right. We got to give that to people who show us. Um, I do think it is important that we we have a level right of trust. We just don't go around mistrusting everyone because everyone doesn't deserve that. But when a person shows you who they are, you got to believe it, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you have to look and, and listen to your gut. Can I trust this person? Are they operating in a fashion that aligns with my beliefs, my goals, my insights, my, you know, the, the things that I think are right versus the things I think are wrong, right? That is very important because sometimes um, we are not shown, right, by our first examples, by our parents, by by our nurturers, um, what even trust is. We're not even given good examples of that because we weren't able to trust that we were going to get what we needed, you know, even as as some sometimes as children, you know, Um, and so. Trust goes deep. It yeah. goes really, really deep. You don't and learn, you repeat the cycle. Exactly. And trauma can affect that, right? Generational trauma affects that. You know, we even can break that down into layers. Yes, we're talking about relationships, but do I trust, you know, do do I have a, a, a negative outlook on the world? Do I trust anybody, right? Do I trust this certain group of people because of the stereotypes, because of the stigma that I've heard, right? So there's so many different layers when it comes to trust, but in relationships, if we don't have it, we don't really have anything. Right, you have to acknowledge your feelings and practice being vulnerable. So acknowledging your feelings is just like she said, you have to know like what is it that you like and don't like. And you have to communicate that to your partner and you have to trust that they're gonna withhold that and, and keep that true to you. They're gonna carry that out like you like you told them about it. Yeah, and, and being able to rely, right? I think that's a big one, especially for women. We wanna know that we can depend on our mates right? Uh, We want to be able to know we can even depend on our friends when we need assistance or when we need support. And if I go to you, right, and you disappoint me, that's going to affect the trust that I have now in this relationship, right? Yes, we, we have to know that no one is perfect. We are going to get disappointed. However, right, we know that we disappoint ourselves, and so, yes, no, nothing or no one is perfect. However, when we do get hurt, when we do get disappointed, we also have to communicate that because a lot of times we keep that in too. And that just does not help the relationship as a whole. And it, and it hurts the trust from the inside out. Right. Trying to figure things out on your own is a, is a bad way to go. You have to trust in your partner that you can communicate to them and that you can voice your feelings and voice your hurt and voice your displeasures and voice your disappointments. Sometimes you have to voice your disappointments and pleasures about yourself, and that will build trust with your with your mate, where they, they feel that you're being open and they can be open with you. So what are some things that hurt the trust in relationships, right? Let's let's maybe talk about romantic relationships. What's what's the biggest thing? Infidelity, cheating, lying, right? 
just not being honest and open. This is what I want or this is what I don't want, right? How, why, how, how come it's so hard to be honest in relationships, right, with our partners? Why is that so hard? Sometimes you, you have this subconscious thought that you're going to hurt their feelings and you don't want to be the bad guy. But sometimes you have to overcome that hurdle, hurdle and just be truthful. And say what, what's on your mind, even if you feel like it's going to hurt their feelings. It may hurt their feelings for the moment, but in the long run, you are building a, a trust foundation. The truth hurts, right? We've all heard that before. The truth hurts. And we don't like to be told the truth all the time, but it is good for us. It is healthy for us, right? Just like we don't like working out all the time, but we have to do it. It hurts. It don't feel good. But it's going to be better for us in the long run. And we have to start telling each other the truth. We got to start telling ourselves the truth so that we can live in our truth. Right. Because the truth will set you free. We have to operate in our truth and we have to have trust in our relationships. You know, we have to be able to do that. So, again, continue with us on our journey as we really dive deep, extremely deep into what it means to have a healthy and successful relationship. Because we can be in a relationship. Two people can be together, but that don't mean that they happy. Right. Don't mean that they trust each other. Definitely don't mean that they trust each other. You could be sleeping with one eye open. Right. And what's the point of doing that? What's the point of doing that? We want to have healthy and whole and full and happy and loving relationships. And how do we do that? That does first start off with trust. But join us in our next episode as we build on that. And then we talk about the second pillar, which is commitment. Okay? So join us on our journey, continue with us, learn with us, share with us, comment with us, tell us some of the some of the issues or barriers that you're having with trust so that we can also help you through those things because that's what we're here for. What's up, everybody? We back. And this segment, we're going to talk about mental health and sports. We're going to talk about Naomi Osaka, who is the uber popular tennis star who was fined $15,000 when she refused to do a press conference after she won a tennis tournament. Now, this is uh, very important because she brought this to, to light and brought a lot of attention to mental health and the, and the pressures it is to being an athlete and dealing with winning and dealing with, dealing with fans and dealing with competition and still have to come out and talk to the media, answer questions, have to get answered ne negative questions, and she still have to be professional. So this brought a lot of limelight to the, the things of mental health in sports. Yeah, she, you know, has been very open and very vocal um, in terms of, you know, some of her struggles and some of the things that she has endured as an athlete. You know, um, being in the center stage, um, in the limelight, when you just want to play, you just want to win, you just want to do what you, you love to do. But now you got all this extra, you know, responsibility and commitment, you know, and what does that say, you know, in terms of our overall mental wellness, if those things, you know, trigger us, you know, if I have social anxiety, she has been very open about the diagnosis of anxiety and depression, you know, that she is dealing with. And if I have a diagnosis of anxiety and you just want me to be in front of all these people, mm -hmm. how is that affecting, 
me? And do you even care? Do people even care? Does the media even care? No, you know, they do not care. They do not care that the pressures of this anxiety and depression can affect the way you train. So if you can't train like you normally can to be able to perform at your best, that's going to affect a lot of things. That's going to affect the way your earnings, that's going to affect your rankings. And all those things that affect is going to pile on and add on to anxiety and depression. So this was a very monumental point in sports and mental health. The way she brought the attention to everybody, she brought other athletes like Tom Brady who supported her, who had, he even quoted as saying that at that age, at 21 and 22, you're still dealing with a lot of things because you're, you're a human being. So that whole process brought a lot of attention and we're glad that it did. Can you imagine what it would be like, you know, at that point in your life, you know, to be just thrown into such, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's chaos because I'm not in it, but like just, you know, the responsibility of needing to win or everyone's mm -hmm. expectations or judgments, right. you know, or, or criticism. Yes, it, it may be constructive, right? But you, when you're getting that from the world, some of us can't, you know, really handle that, you know, on an individual basis. When when our friends give us criticism, we want to get an attitude or it affects us. Mm -hmm. Imagine with all eyes on you because you are good, because you are great, right. you know, and that is a beautiful thing. But when you're struggling with your own things, we don't know her life. Right. We don't know the ins and outs. We know what she shares. We know what the media, you know, puts out there. But do we know? you know, what she's really going through and do we care, right? Mm -hmm. Do we take an inner look at ourselves and say, you know what, I can understand why she would want to pull out and not do, you know, um, compete, right? Um, because that, that you don't know what that can do to a person. Right. Sports is very powerful. Sports, sometimes you win for yourself and sometimes you win for others. So that's the even added pressure. I remember times playing Pop Warner when I was playing football and I get hurt during in the fourth quarter and you go to the sideline, you kind of, and the coach looking at you like, Hey, big man, you still can go. And you, and you feel that pressure like, oh, I'm hurting, but I understand we need to win this game. The coach needs us to win the game so he can keep coaching. We want to keep winning the game so we can keep playing. So the added pressures is something that starts in Pop Warner. And just imagine the levels of pressure that increases at each level you go from high school to college to professional levels. Now you're winning for the sponsors. You have to win for yourself. You have to win for your family. That pressure just mounts. And nobody ever pays attention to the pressure that mounts on the athlete. They just pay attention to, is this person winning? Are they representing who they're supposed to be representing? Are they representing for their country, their family? And it's just so much pressure that a lot of athletes do not even speak upon and they crack up on the pressure. So we have to give a, a big standing ovation to Naomi Osaka for bringing this attention to anxiety and depression in the sports field. Yeah, she even said, you know, that winning does not make me happy anymore. When the fun, the joy is taken out of it, when your mental health is being jeopardized, when your overall wellness and well-being is being jeopardized, you really have to take a step back. And so let that be an example. You know, she is a, a great example of strength. 
She is a, a wonderful example of what it means to be, you know, taking care of yourself no matter what. I mean, she could have still been going. It's good. It sounds like she has really good people around her too, saying, you know what, it's okay. Hopefully, they're not pressuring her to to you know compete when she's not ready. So we we definitely need to, you know, celebrate her. You know, we definitely need to support her because that that is important. Naomi Osaka was dealing with anxiety and depression, and she broadcast that at the news conference. And we're going to shift our focus on depression and the many forms it has and the many effects that it has on you and the things that you can do to try to alleviate depression. Yeah. Depression. What is what does that mean? I think we've all heard it. Right. I think we've all maybe even experienced it to some degree, whether it was on an individual level, we have gone through it ourselves, or, you know, a loved one, um, someone close to us going through it or experiencing it. But depression is just more than being sad, right? It's more than just being down. It's more than just having a, a bad day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an intense and severe state of mind, state of being, right? That goes deep and it really does affect, you know, how you think, mm -hmm. what you do or what you don't do, you know? Sometimes you don't even know you're depressed. That's how heavy it is. Sometimes you can just feel like, ah, oh, man, I don't really feel like doing that. After you try to get a job and you didn't get that job, after a relationship didn't work out and you just, your mood just shifts. It went from, oh, I like doing these things to, oh, man, I'm just going to chill and sit at home and watch TV. And in your mind, you're not really noticing that it's a form of depression. You're just saying, man, I'm just going to watch TV today. But you have to take account of that and take notes that, has my behavior changed? Has my mood changed? And it comes in all forms and sorts of uh, ways of depression. Yeah. I mean, I definitely when you feel yourself not doing things you used to do or or you're not doing things you once enjoyed like hanging out with friends or maybe you like to go play basketball or you like going shopping to the mall and you just stop doing those things you got to ask yourself why you know is it because for a good reason I'm just a little bit more busy or I just you know what I have a hard time getting out of bed or getting off of the couch, or even leaving my home, you know, and asking ourselves why, right? It, depression can affect our appetite. It can affect our sleep. It can affect our mood. We have a blog on our website where we really go in depth and talk about the different types of depression with major depressive disorder being the most common type, MDD, you know, it is um, diagnosed um, we have high percentages of, of depression in the U.S. And I think a lot of what contributes to that is, is society, is the pressures, right, of, of, of trying to, to get, obtain, um, to be successful, to, to break past barriers, to, to overcome, right? And when we don't have the support that we need, you know, sometimes we, we, um, we get caught in a cycle, of of not um not being able to to bring ourselves up and improve our mood in healthy ways and sometimes we we go to unhealthy things to make us happy right like right now uh the holidays are coming up a lot of people get depressed during the holidays which is called seasonal depression 
where you, you're missing loved ones, where past holidays, where maybe a, a family member or a loved one have passed away. And every time that holidays come up, you think about, man, I miss this person. I miss this person. So now when other family members gather and say, hey, come to this, you're just like, ah, it's not really the same anymore. So that can happen in, in any form of fashion with anybody that can always be a way to alleviate that is sometimes you have to acknowledge it and have to go out and embrace going out with the, the family members and still embracing the holidays. Yeah. Or even a part of seasonal depression is, did you know you can be depressed if you don't get enough sunlight? If you're not right. going outside, if you're not getting fresh air, we are human. We were not meant to be indoors 24 seven, right? We have to be a part of nature. That's how we can ground ourselves. That's how we can, you know, improve our mood just by getting outside and getting sun because that is healthy for us, right? Or even women, we have to be mindful of, of postpartum depression. If we have children or we just have had, you know, a child, you know, that is nothing to play around with because our hormones, you know, sometimes are out of whack or our bodies are adjusting and we have to be mindful of our mood. Yes, we all get sad, but when we're having more sad days than not, that is not good, right? When we are not having the motivation to to eat or to interact or to do, right? Or we're just in this state of blah, you don't deserve that. Know that there is help out there. Ask for help. Talk to someone because maybe they may be going through something or maybe they can support you or at least give you, you know, um, a step in the right direction, right? Don't be afraid to seek professional mental health support because that is important we get checkups for our body all the time we got to start getting checks up checkups for our mind too correct because depression can add to other medical issues like if you're having a bad day and you say oh man i know what can make me feel better a double double burger and that can add to high blood pressure cholesterol diabetes overweight and you're just compounding the problems and then you're going to have another issue of being depressed about possibly when you see that the effects that your depression and your your outlet when you're depressed is causing it's just a, a compounding effect that you have to tackle the root of depression and that can alleviate some things overeating and drinking is a form of depression or something these noteworthy that you need to take note and maybe go seek professional help and talk to someone yes for sure for sure. And a lot of us have been depressed for a long time and don't even know it. Right. And that's called the stymia. When we have been depressed for over six months, over a year, over two years, maybe someone we close to us passed away five years ago and we haven't been able to cope or grieve in healthy ways. Or maybe we experienced trauma or a traumatic experience in our past or all the way back in our childhood that we never healed from or we never got help. And we never even, we didn't even realize we were depressed because for some of us, that comes out as anger. We're angry all the time. We're mad all the time. We can't think, we can't sleep, we can't function and we don't even know why and some of that some of the times it's because we are depressed and we don't even know it but know that you don't deserve to feel that way right sometimes our thinking can be distorted but there is help out there and don't let yourself forget that right long-term depression can have many effects it can have you taking out your angers on your family members your co-workers your dog you have to 
taking note of your mental health and what is making you feel upset. For sure. Because if you don't, it can really cause serious, serious damage and problems, not only for yourself, but for your relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And did you know being depressed, you can also become psychotic if it's not treated, if it's not managed, if you don't get the help that you need, you can start having hallucinations, Mm -hmm. right? Or a psychotic break, you know, and we do not want that to happen. And again, you don't deserve that because there is help out there we need to start healing ourselves from within and and really focusing on our mental wellness that is the key to do that correct do not overwork yourself when you feel like you're being depressed feel like oh i just need to stay busy that will work that will not work i have worked in mental health for over 15 years and i have encountered many clients that have said they have just tried to do too much when they feel a certain uh, feeling or sad feeling. They just try to keep working, stay busy. But they said in the long run, it was just too much for them to bear. It was just, just adding more pressure to their shoulders and they just couldn't bear it to where they ended up having to, to check themselves in to get professional help. Yeah. You can't just run from it either. We can't just push it down. It's not going to go anywhere. We can't just distract our mind or cope with drugs or alcohol or people, you know, or even sex or shopping. It doesn't go anywhere. That's filling voids that we can't fill with just anything. We have to fill it with self-love. We got to fill it with, with positivity. Okay, and we if we don't have that for ourselves right now, know that it is possible. Tell yourself, I can do this. I can get through this. I am because I am strong and I can overcome because you can. So, again, though, you know, we talked a little bit about depression. Um, We we're going to keep talking about important mental health topics right? Because we have to know this. We have to know this. Maybe we weren't taught this, but that doesn't give us an excuse. We have to know this. So join us as we continue to talk about our sleep and our mood, how to improve that, and also how to get some coping skills to, to help deal with our depression. What do we do when we are depressed, when we can't get out of bed, right? Practicing positive affirmations is one, something you don't even have to spend any money on, looking at yourself in the mirror and believing in yourself. Sometimes it's changing our routine, changing our diet, changing our environments, right? Some of those things can help. Start to exercise, just get up and walk, right? Get outside, embrace nature, go hiking, go bike riding, try new things, read a book. So many things. There's so many things. Like my wife said, next week blog is sleep and mode. So like she said, you can do morning affirmations. You can do night uh, affirmations. These will help with sleep and mood. But like I said, please don't forget to go to healuniversity.com and join our mailing list and check out our weekly blogs. Our next week blog is sleep and mood. Please follow us on all platforms, the TikTok, IG, Facebook, on Heal University, on all platforms. Check us out.